You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to 3CR's Radioactive Show. This show was produced on the lands of Ngai Tuahuriri in Aotearoa for 3CR, which is located on Wurundjeri Woiwurrung lands. I pay my respects to elders past and present from across these sovereign nations, whose right to self-determination is yet to be recognised by the unauthorised colonial states that exist on their land. The Radioactive Show is distributed across so-called Australia on the Community Radio Network and brought to you with the financial support of the Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth Melbourne. My name is AC. In today's show, I'm sharing a panel discussion with three Ionian women, Dr. Nagar Pato, Dr. Hoda Afshar and Dr. Faru Amin, about the Women Life Freedom Movement in Iran and what this uprising means for the future of the country and the Middle East region. Dr. Nagar Pato is a senior lecturer at the Centre for Defence and Security Studies at Massey University, Wellington, where she specialises in human security. Dr. Hoda Afshar is an Iranian documentary photographer who is based in Melbourne, and Dr. Faru Amin is a women's rights activist and the founder of the group Iranian Women in New Zealand. The panel was hosted by the Middle East and Islamic Studies Aotearoa Group, or MISA, and is moderated by Dr. Puna Turabian. First off, Dr. Puna Turabian explains what led to the uprising. So today marks the 40th, 40th day uh, since the death of Mahsa Jina Amini, the custody of the so-called um, morality police, which I strongly believe should be called hijab police instead. Um, so 40 days since her death in the custody of the what I call the hijab police in Tehran, Iran, which has sparked an eruption of protest in many cities across um, the country and among the Iranian diaspora worldwide. Um, however, we have seen that uh, 40 days of brutal killings, crackdowns, arrests have not stopped people uh, people's call for change. Today, 43 years after the revolution, women's rights have again become the central demand of a growing protest movement in Iran. One of the main chants of the protesters in Iran and across the world um, that becomes a manifest of the current uprising is women, life, freedom. Women's freedom of choice and rights over their bodies have shrunk under the Islamic regime in Iran with restrictions on their appearance in public, depriving them of their rights to divorce or abortion on demand, and even banning women vocalists from performing in public. So today, um, we are having this panel, so we gathered here to have a conversation with um, our panelists about this uprising and revolution, uh, and to further contextualize this movement and unpack what this uprising means for the future of Iran and the Middle East region. Uh, how has the current movement disrupted the colonial and oriental understanding of Middle Eastern women in the West? Why should the global community care about what is happening in Iran right now after all? That was Dr. Puna Turabian, moderator for the Woman Life Freedom Panel discussion. 
Her first question for the panellists is what does freedom mean for them? And in light of this, are the protests in Iran feminist? Dr. Hoda Afshar responds first. Feminism for me, um, understanding it is understanding the foundation of uh, all forms of injustice. And um, I was never a believer in like sisterhood only ex- uh, extended to women as like as part of the practice. Uh, for me, it's understanding injustice and understanding that this support and help should be extended to everybody who's in need of it. Understanding, fem- uh, you know, uh, developing your feminist practice for me was to uh, also uh, understand how sovereignty works, how imperialist thinking works, and how, you know, different categories of marginality has been created. And this idea of um, care for one another and um, uh, is at the core of uh, the feminist practice that I, I believe in. And uh, that's what's beautiful about what's happening in Iran right now. It's a, it's a feminist revolution. But if you look at the beginning till now, this revolution is... Uh, raising the voice voices of all the oppressed groups from the queer community to Kurdish community to religious minorities to Baluchis, Zahedanis and Arab minorities. So it's actually um, extending, you know, this um, support to 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 all these uh, different oppressed groups, which um, also acknowledges that by oppressing women, that was the beginning of developing um this um ideology that um patriarchal ideology that oppresses all the other groups that sits outside of its ideology so uh, uh that's why to me what's happening in iran is in particular very fascinating because it is exposing a different vision of you know this is struggle which um uh, that the slogan is uh azadi which um, as we know, the Kurdish slogan uh, started in uh, uh, by Rojava, and now we're, we're um, it's like women, life, freedom. That uh, as as we can see, what's happening in Iran right now, it's um, basically applied to all the other struggles. Thank you. Uh, so for me, first I should say that we all know that feminism it has become a very controversial term. So when we talk about feminism. It, it evoke many hostile reactions sometimes, you know, especially in the eastern part of the world. Feminism has been seen as some uh, Western product of Western culture. So it has many imperialist and colonialist kind of connotation attached to it. For me, feminism is being aware of the women's oppression and exploitation within the family, at work and in the society. And the second step of being a feminist for me is to raise awareness among other women, first of all, and then men, because we still see that many of us as women do not agree with feminist values and objectives. And after that, working to make some improvement in the situation of women around the world. So I'm not sure if I can call this revolution underway in Iran a feminist revolution or not. So there are some terms that are very close to each other, but they have some differences like, you know, women's movements and then we have women's rights movements 
and we have feminist movement. So when we talk about women's movement, it necessarily is not a, you know, women's rights movement, women coming together to achieve some goal, you know. They organize, for example, women coming together to fight against uh, abortion, for example, what we see you know, among conservative women in the US. So that's the women's movement, but not necessarily about feminism. And then we have women's rights movement. So like women trying to achieve some specific uh, rights for themselves. And here again, these kind of movements cannot be necessarily called a feminist movement because if we want to call a movement a feminist movement or a feminist revolution, we need this awareness, this intentional attempt, you know, in order to challenge patriarchy and to dismantle those root causes of the inequality that women are experiencing in their lives. So what's happening in Iran right now, it's a women's rights movement for me. And that's really good because we haven't seen such a, you know, movements for a long time in the world. So because, you know, there are some, some manifestations, something that I see in this beautiful movement that doesn't uh, let me to call it a feminist movement. For example, when we added the second part to the slogan, woman, life, freedom, we added men, country, prosperity. Just a few days after we got this beautiful slogan and many people like it, even among us as women, you know, without thinking that why we need the second part. So there was some attempt, you know, to just make it like it's something for everyone. It's not just for women that we agree about that, of course. But this, you know, this attempt to take this female or feminist character of the movement is something different. Or sometimes we see that the slogans that are being used are kind of uh, swear words that people are trying, you know, to fight against the opposition or the regime, I mean, by using some sexual kind of insultment. You know, if it was a feminist movement in that meaning, we shouldn't be seeing those kind of things. But yeah, happily, I can call it a women's rights movement. Can I quickly jump in and um, before uh, we hear Negar's uh, point of view, because I, I kind of disagree with this. Uh, I feel like just because we have opposition towards women, life, freedom, a slogan, which I don't know about you, but I've seen so many responses to the uh, male version that was added to it. A lot of disagreements from the feminists inside, which the conversations that have been, you know, shared and uh, reflected on why this is wrong to have the second part included shows a very deep knowledge of feminist struggle and theory in Iran and also shows that the women in Iran are uh, unlike what we think about them they do understand the roots of patriarchy they do understand feminism beyond our understanding of their knowledge and which shows that what is behind this revolution is a feminist ideology Iran is a massive country with 80 million people or more and then of course when there's an uprising there are all different sorts of reactions to it but what has triggered it and remains at the heart of it is in my belief a feminist ideology that was dr hoda afshar and before her dr faru amin speaking about feminism as part of the woman life freedom panel discussion you're listening to the radioactive show produced for 3cr and distributed on the community radio network Next, we hear from Dr. Negar Pato on her views on feminism in the context of the uprising in Iran. I wanted to kind of open a, a, a slightly different angle 
in my work. So I teach in security and defense, as you all know, regarding what kind of backgrounds you have had. It's a very kind of masculine and patriarchal organizations in general. So it, a, a, a very major part of my work as a person who teaches the, the philosophies is to talk about how, what does feminism means? And, and, and the reason that it's important is that while there are so many different ideas about democracy, about structures, should we have a, a, a republic or a constitutional system or all of these political discussions, feminists are the only ones who are looking at the system and they argue that this, the whole system together, the way that we decide, the way that you have to decide about what, what policies you pass through, the whole system is designed by sets of knowledge that cannot be reformed. So they come out of the system and they argue that there is a different priorities that we have to see. And they also argue that the system doesn't, as, as my panelists mentioned, doesn't only oppress women, it's, its main target is women, but it uses um, its language against women to oppress men and to oppress um, people with different sexual orientations and different gender orientations. So there is a, there is a, there is a tool. So I often say that you, you can, if you become misogynistic, you can be anything underneath. You can be racist underneath. You can be, you can be anything underneath because it's a collective system that allows you this. Now, why do I call this a feminist revolution? And I and I and I appreciate Fruit's point. I think it's very interesting. Uh, to me, and this is just my observation, to me, this very highly sexualized um slogans that we hear, it's actually the reaction to a very, very highly sexualized political system that has operated exactly based on the systems that we hear. But the reason that I, I, I call it a feminist revolution is because it doesn't, it doesn't talk politics. It actually talks about a holistic change that brings well-being to society. So it's, it talks about, so it looks at, for the first time, it looks at politics as a, as a subcategory of well-being. Which is, which is to me a very fascinating, and that's why I call it a feminist revolution, because it talks about, it doesn't necessarily say, oh, we, we need to have a reform of our constitutional system, or we need to have a reform of our judicial system, or even like Iranian movements before, Iranian women's movement before, who wanted custody rights, very rightly so, custody rights, and they actually thought that they can have a conversation so the, the previous generation of women in Iran, they want to change, but they believe that they can have a conversation with the government and have a reformist system. And they tried. So 40 years, they tried. It didn't work. So now you should have a feminist revolution because the system is so much cracked inside that it's it's not possible to reform. Now, what is also fascinating to me, and this is this is the beauty of this movement to me, is that it actually has a plan. The songs of the revolution that they're using in this revolution, to me, signifies what they want. So the women want to build a better world when everybody has equal rights. There is nothing about we want our, our rights back in those 
big and major slogans. And I think that's one of the reasons it attracts men because it talks about we want equality for all. But also I want to add so quickly to this um, um, that, you know, like there's been over the last 40-something years, there's been so many different uprisings within Iran. And every decade almost we had a big, um, you know, uh, protest and uprising um, in Iran. But this is for the first time that I saw it from so many men sharing that this realization that we would not be able to free ourselves from whatever oppression we are fighting for across all different kind of, you know, oppressed groups. This would not happen till women are free. And this is the recognition that the Islamic Republic's ideology was based on controlling women's bodies. And the reason why they're not giving up on this is because that's the foundation of their ideology. If they give any freedom to women, even like the, the right to choose her job or not, that means that the foundation is broken. And that's what started the Islamic, uh, rev, uh, you know, revolution. That was the ideology that they took from so many thinkers of the time in the past, uh, that, uh, after the, you know, Algerian independent movement and so on, which is a bit much bigger conversation to have. But uh, this was meant to be, you know, based on controlling women's bodies. And this is the knowledge that is now being shared amongst the Iranians. This is for the first time we are seeing men dying for women's rights. And I don't think this has ever happened historically anywhere else, right? And that's why, to me, is another indication of this uprising as a feminist revolution. There was Dr. Hoda Afsha. Next, we hear from Dr. Nega Pato who talks about the importance of religious and non-religious women working together in Iran. Today, and I think this is a very important factor, which is often undermined. So everybody talks about it. This is, this is the problem about woman against hijab. And to a degree, it is. It is, a, it, is a, it is an uprising against an ideological tenant that has created oppression for many long time. But also you remember that the security guards you see on the streets, they originally were formed, funded, sponsored specifically for monitoring women. So what you see today in the streets, all of us who are sitting here from all different generations that become, we actually have experienced one way or another, or have somebody very close who has experienced that this just comes to the street. Now, even even while you, I don't see that that unity now between religious and non-religious men much in the comments. I see a lot of conversations and a lot of discussions between religious women and and non-religious women. So the women who are secular in their ideas, collectively they they believe they should have a secular system. This is not necessarily including those women who are part of the system, of course, because patriarchy creates those types of women as well. But but if you look at civil society, that's the discourse of civil society. It is a it is a, a discourse of human security. We need to be secure and safe as individuals and in connection with our communities, with our religious and non-religious friends, with our religious and non-religious families. And with our environment, with animals, with like 
it, it is a comprehensive model, but it creates a unity. So you see photos that comes out that shows women who are in full hijab and chador, and they are standing in front of the things and they are, they are making a slogan against the system because this is an oppression that they understand it gets them in, in court too. It's not only, it's not only the secular woman. Now, the more this connection between secular woman activists and politicians outside Iran and inside Iran gets connected because they have separated us quite significantly, the better it's going to come out because they do have a capacity. So why is it to me another factor that makes it interesting is that this is something new in the Middle East, actually people with different ethnic groups and different religious backgrounds are sitting around the table and they are not killing each other like they're talking to each other. So, so I think I think to that's the great to me. That's the that's a very good news for the Middle East. It is and the knowledge that you see in the photographs that comes out of because of my area is you know photography and image making and I'm like absolutely fascinated with um how they understand the power of images and how images operate from the beginning, the way that these images were created and shared with the outside world, the understanding and knowledge of the image of protest and like making sure that in these images they're showing women with hijab and without hijab holding hands and standing there like, um, uh, you know, fighting together. Um, they are educating us about their revolution through images. And that's absolutely fascinating. And they made that so clear that this is about, this is not Islamophobia. This is not against Islam. This is about, you know, bodily autonomy. And that's what they share together. That's Hoda Afsha speaking about the images of protest coming out of the uprising in Iran. You're listening to The Radioactive Show and a panel discussion on the woman life freedom uprising happening in Iran. Next, Dr. Faru Amin talks about the role of art in this movement. Uh, so I think art has played a very crucial role in this revolution in raising awareness, uh, in uniting people and in fighting because art pieces, artworks have been form of defiance in this uh, revolution. And it is mostly because of the social media that has given us this platform to express ourselves, to be connected with other people. And so this um, advancement in the communication technology has been really useful and helpful to this revolution. Uh, but regarding this picture of Middle Eastern women, yeah, as you said, the Orientalist discourse usually picture women from Middle East or the Eastern part of the world as hopeless, helpless, vulnerable, you know, oppressed women. And I'm not going to say that there is not such cases in the Middle East. We all know that there are these kind of, you know, situation for women in the Middle East like everywhere else. But I think there is another part to this picture as well that has been, you know, usually ignored. And now this revolution by Iranian women has brought to the forefront this picture of brave, courageous, well-informed women who are rebelling against their oppression, their suppression. And in a way that no country in any part of the world, I think, has seen this kind of women coming uh, together. So now we see this strong agency for uh, Middle Eastern women or Iranian women. And I think this uh, strong character and being drivers of change is something that doesn't come out of vacuum. 
you know if if you want to be able to make a change in your life and determine your fate you need to be educated you need to be well informed about your situation so that's a good thing you know about iran and i think the whole middle east that uh, level of uh, educational attainment has been really high you know unimaginably i think high in the last decade at least and it has helped women to be aware of their situation and do something about it because you can be oppressed but you may not do anything about that in order to be able to fight for your rights first you need awareness and education and that's the main reason that has changed this picture uh, of the middle eastern women i think and especially iranians yeah and also like i think there's been a um uh silence like really disturbing silence from especially intersectional feminists and activists and leftists about what's happening in iran which we're all aware of and it kind of shocked us and i think um shows uh in somehow the restrictive discourses of resistance that exists within um within that um community that finds it really hard to imagine anything outside of that orientalist image that you're talking about or the image of the middle eastern woman it's kind of um i guess it somehow shocked um the world in so many ways so it's definitely going to change uh the way that women um in our region is um seen from this point forward it has a huge impact of it on it that it's showing the possibility of uh being against you know islamophobia but also being against um state sanctioned religious patriarchy and um it's showing that women do have uh you know um uh, uh, you know they're fighting for liberation but they're also claiming their agency these are all complex kind of images that um i think for the world it's going to take time to digest and take in um uh, in terms of the role of the images i think we have to uh, the way that i see it it's like a time of renaissance for iran uh in terms of art and it's like 44 years of oppression and silencing i wake up every day to a kind of whole new set of imagery coming out from the posters revolutionary posters to songs to poetry to imagery uh graphic design it's just absolutely mind blowing the creativity that is behind all of these documentations of the way that this revolution is being documented like when i think about the beginnings of this um like how creative the whole movement has started like from the writing on the gravestone of Gina Amini that said your name will not die it will become a code Iranians made it a code and that's why they're shouting her name and it became like the most um shared hashtag in the entire history of Twitter beyond i don't know 100 200 million times and who knows how many times it's been shared by now and then um like one hashtag of what what are you fighting for and everybody started sharing for this for that and it turned into music and then became some sort of music of the entire revolution like everything about it is so creative and when you think about it it's like we're living in the hour of freedom and we're witnessing a renaissance in its art and creativity that was dr hoda afsha we finished with a question about how people can support the women life freedom uprising in iran Dr. Nega Pato responds first. 
we need to keep the pressure alive, whatever, wh- whichever way we can, as long as there's something happening inside. And it can happen to anything, sending a postcards to a representative, talking about it to your friends, raising awareness. It doesn't need to be a huge political action. It just, even if you talk about it and raise awareness that this is what they're fighting for. Um, Farouk mentioned something about how there is a misunderstanding with Islamophobia. Even if you discuss about these things, just talk about what the real goals of the movement is. Talk about the environmental um, security aspects that they raise about animal rights. It's it is a it's a holistic program, and I think as long as we just keep talking about it and raise awareness and don't let it die in in our public spaces, I think this is the best help we can do. And also one more thing, I think um, well, we shouldn't um, underestimate the power of solidarity. Like um, it's really important, as simple as that, just to acknowledge that. Uh, some things may never happen to us and we should not only extend solidarity to the people that we share a similar history with, just acknowledging that it's wrong and it should never happen. And people who are um, inside and outside are going through a lot at the moment and just extend your solidarity and support. Emotional support is very important. There was Dr. Hoda Afshar talking about the importance of solidarity. She's speaking as part of the Woman Life Freedom Panel discussion, which was hosted by the Middle East and Islamic Studies Aotearoa, or MISA, group. That's it for today. You've been listening to The Radioactive Show, produced for 3CR remotely in Ototahi in Aotearoa, and broadcast across the stolen lands known as Australia through the Community Radio Network. Thanks to the panel moderator, Dr. Puna Tarabian from the University of Otago. And the panellists, Dr. Negar Pato, Dr. Hoda Afshar, and Dr. Faru Amin, for their knowledge and insights. This show and all our previous podcasts can be found at 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. If you want to get in touch with us, please email on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and here's to a nuclear-free future. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.